0: Twas was grace that taught to start the next song let's let's have a quick moment of prayer father god we come before you this morning and we are so thankful and grateful to be able to openly praise you in your house this morning lord i ask that you be with each person in here lord open their hearts clear their minds i know some of them might become a little broken off of a really rough week lord just help them clear their minds to focus solely on worshiping you and the message that ken is bringing I know someone in here today, it's going to touch them. They really need to hear it, Lord. So just let them clear their mind and their heart and focus solely on you. Call me out upon the waters, the great.
1: 74 times a day.
2: I want to text while people are trying to talk to me. I'm gonna wait in line four hours to get an iPhone 12. I want to watch a whole season of Downton Abbey on Netflix. Every season, the entire series. I want to watch hours of Fox News Sports Center. At least four hours of TV a day. When I grow up. When I grow up, I will work out to impress people I don't even know. Spend hours. On fad diets. I want all night on Pinterest.
3: Good morning. I would like to share a quick story with you all this morning because. If you are not downstairs serving with us on our team um, or don't have little ones that maybe were in this little boy's class, you wouldn't know this. And I think it's too awesome to not share. So we have a preschooler who was out at a playground playing like, you know, little preschoolers do, having a good old time. And there was some kind of climbing apparatus, you know, like one of those like rock wall things. And so all the little handles had different colors that you would use to climb up on it. Well, this little guy proceeded to use those colors on the rock wall to share the gospel with another kid's parent who was standing there. I mean, how awesome is that? Can we give God a hand for that? That's what we're doing downstairs. We are teaching these kids about Jesus, who he is, what he's done for them, and how much he loves them. And then they're not just living it on Sundays or Wednesday nights. They're taking it with them. They're not waiting until they're 40 to have an epiphany about sharing Jesus with people, you know. They're doing it. They're taking it with them to the playground, to the schools, to the ball fields. And I'm super encouraged by that. And so this fun picture of, I know Jason's thrilled that that's up there. um, That's when we went to the Orange Conference in Atlanta. And we always gather so many cool ideas and fun things that we bring back to implement with our kiddos here. And the main thing this year was start the party. And what if everyone was invited to the party? And when I'm, when I'm talking about the party, I'm talking about here, serving on our team with these children, um, and not just this party, but the, the big one, the big one that we all wanna be at one day, right, you wanna be on the VIP list to that party. So what if everyone was invited? And so it starts here, so guys, go on out there. This is our new Route 56 group that we've put together because we are expanding downstairs because we have so many kids, which is an awesome, awesome thing, and we need more leaders for these kids. Um, so this is our new preteen group. So they're starting the party today. So they're inviting you. So what I'm having is on Wednesday, we're having a meeting. It's a volunteers' little informational meeting. You do not have to be, uh, you know, a teacher practicing in the classroom for 25 years, certified. You don't need to do that. You know what you need to do? You need to want to have fun. Come here every week consistently for these guys so that, you know, when we, when their babies, all those kids were once babies up here and their parents held them. And what did we do as a congregation? When they dedicated their children and we said, yep, we're going to help you raise these kids up, right? There they are, fifth and sixth grade now. And we need more leaders to be downstairs and be a part of this team and introduce these kids to Jesus. That's our mission, right? Making disciples. And that's what we want to do. So uh, if you can't be here, I at least want you to take this card home with you. Pray over this. Pray over the the leaders that God will provide us on Wednesday to be a part of this. Um, Also, back at the table where all the fun balloons are. How fun are they? There's so many cool balloons at Party City. Um, Fill one of these out and... That at least lets me know if you have an uh, availability Sundays and Wednesday evenings I need, I need helpers um, to have a party. And we have a, we have a blast. Any of the Canopy Kids volunteers that are in this room, you know, right? We have a good time with these kids. So you will love it, and I am just thanking you ahead of time right now. So that is all. Have a very good day.
2: You know, when we have all these kids in our church, I believe that God has entrusted us with little lives to influence them for Jesus. And so we have a responsibility, church. And so, uh, you know, don't take Courtney's words lightly. Prayerfully consider those things. And even if you're not thinking you're the person, like I, she mentioned this first hour, a lot of times we think, oh, it's the person next to us that will do it. I think that may be a signal that God's pulling on your heart. Uh, if you know somebody who should be serving in children's ministry, talk to them. Get them connected. We'd love to talk to them about serving. Great opportunity. Great opportunity. I only have one thing to say is that um, coming up this fall, we're going to be talking a lot about life groups. And so the question that I want to ask you all is, how will I get connected? So you're going to ask yourself that question. How will I get connected this fall? And so we'll be talking more about life groups coming soon here in the next couple weeks. And we'll be talking towards one big uh, night, which will be our life group launch. And we had over 100 people sign up last year. And we're really excited about what God's doing to life groups here at Crossroads. Um, One thing I don't want to forget, too, is please pass that friendship folder down the aisle. So we know you're here, and and we'd appreciate that. Um, But at uh, this moment, I would like to invite the ushers forward to pray over this morning's offering. Father, we come before you excited, uh, God, not just that um, we hear all these stories. But God, just just, we're excited because, God, you are always moving. And sometimes we don't either believe it or we're just not sure. Uh, God, thank you that you are a God who is on the move. God, you are working the lives of people that are in our communities that don't go to church or go to different churches. And God, thank you that the kingdom is bigger than even our church here. And uh, God, we're just so thankful for what you are doing here at Crossroads and how you're using us, a bunch of broken tools to do great things. And God, we know that so many of us have found ourselves, God, hitting our wall. No matter what our sin was, you saw us not for what we've done or what we could be or what we would even be doing in a day but you saw us and sent your son Jesus on a rescue mission to save us amidst our sin and God now because of Jesus we no longer are defined by who what we've done or what we will do but who we are in Jesus and so thank you that we now have a truth that is connected to our name that is connected to our lives and so God just from that excitement from that truth we give now out of a heart of sacrifice and humility of the treasures you give to us. We love you, Jesus. We pray in his name.
0: Amen.
1: sitting in their house as they put their three kids down living in a town of Ephesus and as they put their kids down they're just sitting over a cup of coffee and they're they're talking and they're chatting to see what 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 does the future hold and they keep asking themselves this question uh, where do we go from here they had moved to the town of Ephesus. And why did they move to the town of Ephesus? Because it was an exciting place to be. They moved to the town of Ephesus because of the, the se- one of the seventh wonders of the world, the temple of worship to Artemis, one of the greatest structures known to man. And they moved into this area because of the temple worship to Artemis. They moved in there because of all the commerce. They moved in there because of all the action. They wanted to provide a great future for their children. So they move into this area and there they are now, they're into their little tiny place and as they look down and they they look away from the table as they're having coffee, they look back at the table and they see their three kids have fallen asleep on their little flats that they have placed in the corner and they ask this question, what next? What next? Where do we go from here? Uh, all their life had been filled with such a different. Their life five years ago had been so different, and now their life has come to Christ. Their followers, their believers of Jesus, and they're saying, What next? What is the next step that we are to take? What are we supposed to do? And this morning, I want us to take us over to the letter that, that, that Paul wrote to, the, to these people. Paul wrote to young couples just like that who were sitting there and questioning, what is the next step in my Christian life? What am I supposed to do? Now that I've come to Christ, now what? I mean, I've, I've, Jesus is my Lord. I've become his child. Now what? What am I supposed to do? What's the next step? Over in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, we're going to pick up today. We've been, we've been on our little tour of, of this book of Ephesians, written to the church at Ephesus. And it was in this town that, that young couples, just like I explained, are asking those very questions. Uh, they've come to Christ. What next? What now? So Paul has written this letter in, in Ephesians four seventeen. He says, So I tell you this. So in light of everything I've just shared with you, Ephesians 1, 2, 3, um, he he shares with them that Jesus is everything that you need for life. He is all that you need. God's given you all these blessings. He's adopted you into his family, and he sets up the foundation of who God is. And He says, this is who God is. This is is what's important, who he is, and understanding who you are in Christ. And he says, so I tell you this and insist on it he, so he's saying listen i'm insisting on it. i'm not just i'm not just giving you some suggestion i insist this is an imperative i insist on it in the lord that you must no longer live as the gentiles do in the futility of their thinking He says, you must no longer live like the Gentiles. And we've talked a lot about the contrast between the Jews and the Gentiles. And typically when you saw the Gentiles, you thought of of somebody that was far away from God. And he says, you must no longer live like somebody who is far away from God. You must no longer live like these Gentiles. And so he's referring to these people in Ephesus. He says, you must no longer live like these people that are in the town here in the futility of their thinking. For they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of the hearts. He says, the folks around you, they're worshiping Artemis. They're, they're going out and getting their black magic. They're getting their fix." They're going out and they're feeling good and and life is just about about what can be the next me, what can be the next circle around me. He says, don't live your life like that for they are darkened, their hearts are hardened, they've not yet come to Christ. Don't fall into the trap of just living like everybody else. Verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. They're full of greed. Uh, He says, listen, look look what's happened here. These people, they've lost all sensitivity. They have given themselves over to whatever comes next. Uh, Sensuality, uh, uh, they're indulging in every kind of impurity that you can imagine. He says, look, as a believer, as a follower of Christ, in light of the fact that God has given you everything that you need, in light of the fact that He has saved you by grace, now don't live that way anymore. Don't go out and live like the Gentiles. Don't go out and live like people who have no meaning and who have no purpose. Don't go out and just... Uh, and, and, and just live for, for the moment. He says, don't do it anymore. Number tw- Verse 20, you, however, did not come to know Christ in that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus Christ. Surely you've come to Christ now, and you know that that's not the way to live, and you know that God has not, that's not the desires, that's not the values that God has for your life. So he says, don't go back. Don't go back to that old way. Don't act like the Gentiles. Don't act like people that are far from God. Even though you've become a believer, even though you've become a follower of God, and you can't earn your way into heaven, he says you are, you, you're, not to, you're not to go out and do those things. And so this morning, what is happening? The young couple who's sitting there with a cup of coffee as they're just looking at the, the, the coffee as they sip it, as the evening continues on, and they're saying, we have sold out. We have given everything to Jesus. We, th- this is who we are. We're, we, we don't want to go the, the, the opposite way anymore. What do we do next? The apostle Paul says, don't go back. He says, don't go, don't go indulging in those practices. And so this morning, it got me thinking about this. It got me thinking about your spiritual life, about my spiritual life. And there are so many times that we have uh, some misconceptions about the growth of our spiritual life. And so I want you to think with me about a few things this morning, uh, a few misconceptions about spiritual growth. Number one, we think that spiritual growth happens automatically. We, we think that if I just come to church for an hour, hour and a half on Sunday and maybe a little bit on Wednesday, I, I, if, I, if I just come and I, I put in my time, that, that I'll automatically grow. And I think that's a cool thought, but it's not, not, uh, not very much of a reality. Could it be that, that, um, that it takes time? Could it be that your spiritual life actually takes time, that you have to, you have to grow it, you have to spend some time in it? Um, you know what? <clears throat> on July 17th, 1993, I became an amazing husband. And I wonder why you laugh at that, right? Actually, on July 17th, 1993, I became a husband. And, uh, and at that moment, I'm not, I was not the husband that I am today. 24 and more years later, I am growing and still learning to be a better husband. Now, when I was married uh, in 1990, 1993, 24 years ago, I was just a husband, and I was full of eager and full of zeal, and I'm like, yes, let's go. We're going we're gonna to spend the rest of our life together. We've got plans and dreams and goals. And then we got into living daily Learn to check the battery. That's what you learn, right? All right, you learn. I, we, we're going to have, like, new batteries. Things are changing this week here, all right? Anyhow, so uh, we, we're, we're, you know, you, you grow and you learn. As you learn and, uh, and know what you're supposed to do, then you start to plug it in. And, and you know, maybe today I'm 65% of a good husband. And my wife's looking forward to the next 20 years. Maybe they'll be a lot better than the first five were, or the first 10. And, you know, I think she's got me trained halfway decent now. And, uh, and at least I think so. All right. So anyhow. So it's, it's like, you know, the more time you put, the more effort, the more practice you give. You know, up here on our stage, this band sounded awesome today. Did they not? Can we give them a hand? I thank God for our band, you know. Um, our, our praise man, they work hard. I, I was looking over here at Rebecca, and I said, you know, Rebecca, I remember when she was a little kid running around the church here and just started to play that violin. And now she's up there. She can come in. She doesn't need much practice at all today. She can come in. She can just start playing. It's like, whoa, how do you do that? Well, I'm sure in her house, her parents, whenever she was 8 years old, uh, her parents heard a whole lot of ee, 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 ee. Why? Because she practiced, and uh, and so I got a little, little statistic on our band here. Our band up here has 136 years of practice, so that you could have good music this morning. Isn't that awesome? 136 years. Skylar on the piano, been playing piano for nine years. You want to talk about practicing the piano? Going home and just practicing. That that that, 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 you know, remember the chopsticks? You know, I think that, well, I don't even know if I could do that, right? But, you know, they start with some real simple things and they become uh, these accomplished players. Ryan on the, on the guitar, 33 years on a guitar. Can you give him a hand? 33 years on a guitar. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Mike Baines on the bass, 55 years on the bass. woo You know? I'm not even been alive that long. God bless that man, right? Um, Xavier on the drums, seven years, all right? Give him a hand, man, you know? That's exciting. And, uh, and Rebecca, 32 years on the violin. Give him a hand, man. That is awesome stuff. But may I share with you this? Each one of them, when they started to practice, and I, I remember that. I've, I've taken lessons. I took guitar lessons for six weeks. <laughs> I cannot play the guitar, folks. And you know what killed me? I loved the lesson. It was the practice. They wanted me to go home every day, you know, flies in the buttermilk, shoe, fly, shoe. And that's what I had to practice. And I didn't want to do flies in the buttermilk, shoe, fly, shoe. You know, I wanted to get to some, Row. you know, I didn't become that guitar player. I took an accordion lesson. I have an accordion. My kids are deathly embarrassed of it, but I have one, okay? And I threaten to pull it out every time they have their friends over. It's like, I have this accordion, and I can play the key of C, G, and D. And if it's beyond those three keys, you're out of luck. But it's great for Christmas carols. I can play them all. And, uh, you know, I didn't take very... I didn't didn't stick with it. I just kind of got started, and I didn't stick with it. You know what? That's what so many people do in their spiritual life. They just get started and they don't stick with it. Uh, you know, if you come here and your spiritual life is an hour a week, you're not giving much practice. It's like going to the lesson. There's practice all week long. You've got to be engaged. And, and so, so to, to grow spiritually, um, it's a huge misconception that it just happens automatically. It, it happens, God is the one who does it, but whenever you're engaged, whenever you show up, um, you know, everybody has something that you've done that uh, that took a long time, and, and now you're proficient at it. And so, in our spiritual life, uh, I have I would say that I'm not proficient at it yet. I'm growing still, but I've been practicing for a long time since the time I was seven years old. I've been practicing. I come to church every week. I get together in life groups. I get together in all kind of things. Uh, it's an intentional commitment. If you can make note of that, it's an intentional commitment. If you are going to grow spiritually, it is not by just doing an hour of church. You know, it's like, you know, if if these guys up here only practiced an hour whenever they were eight years old once a week, they would not be playing these instruments like they do today. They're giving their all, they're very talented people. Um, uh, We've got to, we've got, uh, we have to commit to it. Uh, Colossians 2, 6 and 7. This is the key verse for Canopy Kids. That, that, that you see it on our sign out there, Canopy Kids. And it says this. Um, it says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots go down deep into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. That's what we're trying to do downstairs with these kids. As they come in, we're trying to teach them how to worship God. We're trying to teach them how to take their roots down. And we're trying to teach them that it's not just, okay, I trusted Jesus as my Savior, and I'm done. We're like the young couple who says, what next? Where do I go next? And so I take the next step, and I take the next step, and I take the next step. And I build all upon the foundation of who Christ is and what he has done in my life. We expect somehow that if we keep coming for an hour a week that somehow I'll magically grow. Well, that's not how, how, how God works. God says, hey, listen, you are going to grow. I'm the one who produces growth, but you get to be connected. You get to be a part of the process. Um, it takes time. It takes a lot of time. How about this? Uh, another misconception is that I have nothing to do with my growth. It just happens. I have nothing to do with it. God is the one who makes us grow, so I don't have to worry about anything. And nothing could be farther from the truth. Um, God, has, yeah, God, has, God is the one who does the work. Yes, that is true. God is the one who works in you. And he makes it happen. If God brought you to himself, he's going to give you the power to accomplish the things that he wants you to do. What separates Christianity from all the other religions is that God has given us the power to do what he's called us to do. So that is a big truth. But it is God in you who will do it. But you get to show up. God motivates. God gives us power. He empowers us. God gives us his spirit. But we have a responsibility to take an action. We have a responsibility to to follow through. At the moment that you came to Christ, you're not not a robot. God's not sitting up there with with a remote control. Okay, go talk to your neighbor today, you know. It doesn't happen that way. God has given you his word. He's given you his instruction. He says, now follow me. I, you know, when Jesus went around and he recruited people, he says, follow me. And they left everything that they had and they followed him. It, it's kind of a radical thing. Wow, Jesus left everything. The, the followers of Jesus left everything that they had and they followed him. They didn't say, well, is it convenient or will it fit my schedule? Boom, they became followers of Christ. Why? Because they connected with the master. So God is the one who makes us grow. Yes, God makes us grow, but you also have a responsibility. Your responsibility is to be committed, to be engaged. Look what Ephesians 4.17 says here. He says, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Don't go back. He says, don't do it. Uh, I tell you, don't live in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they continually lust for more. They're full of greed. He says, don't go back there. Do you see see what he's saying here? He's saying, listen, God has done his work. Now I want you to be engaged. I want you to not go back. And the command is for you to make a decision, to make a a decision to be engaged in, in God's work. The reality is, it takes a daily decision. Every day. It's not just a Sunday decision. If it were a Sunday decision, that would be so easy, right? Uh, but it's not just a Sunday decision. It is a, it's an every day it's a Monday morning decision. It's a Monday afternoon decision. It's a Monday evening decision. It's a Tuesday morning, a Wednesday morning, a Thursday evening, a Friday evening. Oh, especially Friday evenings. Those are tough evenings, right? Every day is a decision. And I get, I, I get to decide, will I be engaged with what God is doing in my life or am I going to miss the blessings of God? Uh, if uh, philippians 2 paul wrote this to another church over in the the church of philippi he says this he says dear friends you have always followed my instruction when i was with you and now that i am away it is even more important now that i'm not there with you i want you to really follow god and he says this he says work out your own salvation obeying god with deep fear and trembling he says to work out your own salvation he doesn't say to work for you're not working for your salvation. You cannot work for forgiveness. You cannot work for freedom. You cannot work for new life. Those are things that God gives you. And so whenever you accept Christ as your personal Savior, you say, I raise the white flag. I'm surrendering. It's no longer about me. I can't earn this. It's only what Jesus did on the cross for me. So when you raise that white flag of surrender, you trust Him. He is now your personal Savior. And then... He says, you get to work out your salvation. What he means is to work out the things that he has given you. He's given you all these blessings. He's given you the power to go love your neighbor. You don't want to go love your neighbor. He's given you the power to do it. And so this is the point where you get to get engaged. Where do, you, do, you, do you step up to the plate and love your neighbor? Uh, You get to forgive. He's going to be talking here at the end of Ephesians about forgiveness. He says you can be in anger you can be in forgiveness. He says choose the route of forgiveness because God has empowered you to do it. God's given you the power to do all these things. So so it is a daily decision. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, the, The third misconception is that I'll grow more when I start learning more. I'll grow more when I start learning more. Some people have said that through the years. I've heard that often around churches. Well, you know, if the sermons were a little deeper, uh, if, I, if you just get to the third point and fill in all the blanks on the paper, which, by the way, there are three blanks on the paper. We're getting there, folks, all right? It's coming, right? Um, you, you, you know, it's like, it's like we, we think if we get more knowledge and somehow we get this concept that if I get more knowledge about God that I'm going to grow more. Well, that just simply isn't true. It's really about my life. Um, you're growing more if your life is transformed. Uh, th- this is, it's, how, it's how we live, not what about we know. Uh, certainly, all of our thoughts dictate our actions, and so we have to, we have to come to the thought first. But, uh, and so the, the fill-in-the-blanks, they're important, but they're not the end-all. You see, it's not just coming in and learning a bunch of theological terms. Coming in and, you know, when, when, when I was younger, we used to stay up with a group of friends and, and talk about theological discussions. It's kind of fun. I was with a group of people the other week. And uh, a few weeks ago, we started talking about some fun theological terms. It was just fun that I even knew what some of them meant. I was like, yeah, I felt like I could keep up with this. But everybody else was wrong. I was right. Right? Isn't that how it gets when you get in those discussions? Well, everybody else is wrong on my way is obviously the right way. And so at the end of the day, you know what? Nobody's life, we, none of us grew in Christ because of that. But it was fun to talk about what we knew. It was fun just to, to, just to show that we knew some words. Um, let me share with you what James said. James, the brother of Jesus, he's leading the church at Jerusalem. I mean, Jesus, he, he grew up with Jesus. I mean, if you want to know if Jesus was the real deal, just ask his brother. I mean, so here, here's James, the brother of Jesus. And he grew up with them and he says this, he says in uh, James chapter 2, he says, Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have any good deeds? You can't show me your faith without good deeds. Oh, that's just talk. He's saying, you're you're just blowing talk. He says, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. So he's not saying good deeds are faith. But he's saying, if you have faith, the evidence of your faith is going to be your good deeds. It's going to impact you over here. You, uh, a follower of Christ cannot walk by and see that there's a need and not be moved by it. A follower of Christ cannot walk by poor and see, hey, man, I've got to do something. I can't maybe need every need, but I can do my part. A follower of Christ is going to have, 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 have a life that's going to change. And he says, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. You know the theology. You say there's only one God. I love this. He says, good for you. Even the demons believe this. And they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Even the devil believes. Even the devil knows theology. The devil knows theology better than you do. He's been around a lot longer than all of us. He knows that Jesus is God. He knows all the right stuff. But yet he's not engaged. He has it all. He knows all the knowledge and hasn't transformed who he is. Spiritual growth is when we come and we get to know him. It's not what you know, but who you know. You've heard that said in a bad way many times, right? You want to get the promotion at work? Well, it's not what you know, it's who you know, right? With God, he wants you to know him. Oh, you can know about him. He wants you to know him, to, like, build a deep personal relationship with him. Um, nothing we can do in an hour will transform our life. We have to, we have to grow this thing. It's like the guy who had uh, the, there was a story of the, the two dogs, and, and, and um, a preacher once illustrated this with two dogs. He was telling the Indians, the American Indians, he says, it's like this. You have an old dog and you have a new dog. And uh, wh- whichever dog you feed the most is going to win. And so he would tell them that, and, and, and the Indians caught it. And it was like, all right, am I going to feed this old dog or am I feed this new dog? And so wh- who's going to take over in my life? And so we get to participate in our spiritual growth. Here's another thought, another uh, misconception is that I can do this alone. I can grow on my own. I've got God, and I've heard that many times throughout the years. Well, I don't really need to, to be in church. I don't need to be around other Bible studies around life groups. I don't need to be around all those things because me and God are really close and I, I love God, I just don't love his family, right? Yeah, that's, that's really nice, you know. Tell that to my family. You tell me that you love me but you don't like my kids? See ya. Okay, you love us. It's our family, right? And, and, and so that, that's how this thing goes. And, and it's the family of God. We're, we're connected to the family. And the truth is it's not a spectator sport, your father wants you to be in community. He wants you to be on a team. And as we go out on this team, and I understand that you've had some bad experiences in church. Church is definitely, you can have a bad experience in church. But let me ask you this. Did you ever get food poisoning? Anybody out there? All right, yeah, all right. Did you ever get food poisoning? Raise your hand. You got food poisoning? Okay. Did it stop you from eating the rest of your life? no you may have a bad experience but you go back for more i mean some of us are not even that bright that we go back to the same restaurant for more right and it's like i'll just go back you know it's a shame that chi chi's closed i'd still be there that was the greatest restaurant on earth you know just a little salmonella was no big deal you know listen you have a bad experience and so this is what people do in church they may have a bad experience and they say well I'm just done with that. I'm never going again because so-and-so didn't say hi to me or so-and-so blew me off or I didn't like the music, I didn't like the pastor, I didn't like whatever. You know, there's all kind of lists that you can come up with. At the end of the day, you're hurting yourself. What you've done is you've disconnected. That, That mentality says, I'm disconnecting because I've had pain and so what you end up doing is you may escape that momentary pain and you create a larger pain. It's called distance from God. And you're no longer engaged in your spiritual walk. Um, I want to encourage you to get involved. Jump in and serve. You know, we're asking for help in the children's ministry. Jump in and serve. That's a great way to get connected. You meet other believers. Jump in and get into a life group. We have a life group launch coming up here in a few weeks. Sign up. Get into it. We have 100 people in life groups from last year. Their lives are radically changed. I'm hearing people say, look, I've met new friends. I'm I'm meeting all kind of people. Uh, They're helping me. People are encouraging me. And so they're experiencing the community of faith. They're experiencing what it actually means to to not live this thing alone. I'm in a life group, and I absolutely love it. I love being there. I'm like the oldest person in our life group uh it, it's kind of cool i'm hanging out with some young couples and singles and d- different people like that and it's really cool to, me and my wife we go and we're like the mentors that's what they call you when you get older than everybody else in the group you're the mentors right so uh we're, we're hanging out in the group and we're having fun and, and you know what i'm engaged i'm encouraged whenever i come home and i hear somebody in their 20s tell me man i'm struggling or i hear somebody in their 20s tell me man i'm encouraged amen i come home because it's like wow i get to help them they get to help me and and we share one another's burdens and we're not just coming in and knowing we're doing life together we're going out we're being we're transforming a community we're transforming our lives because of who jesus is and so we make a commitment to grow in him and I want, to make, I want to ask you to make a commitment. This is coming up here. This life group launch will be coming up in just a few weeks. When, when you hear about it, I want to encourage you to sign up and be a part of it. And, and, and here's why. I want you just to make a commitment to get into a life group from now till Christmas. If you'll try that from now till Christmas, okay, that's a short-term commitment. And I guarantee you get into it, you start finding community, you are going to love it. Your life will be transformed. You know, it's just like, you ever go to that place at the mall and they have the free fudge samples? Did you ever go there? You know, my my family gets real embarrassed when I go in there because it says free samples, you know, and I'm like, I'll do one of those, one of those, one of those. You know why they do that? Because most people are not like me. You know, I'll eat and say, okay, I'm full now. Most people will taste it and they'll say, I want a whole pound of that. And you'll walk out with a $17 pound of fudge, maybe $40 worth of fudge. It's really cool. And then you're like in a car and you're sick from eating all that sugar, right? Um, You know, it's like you go to Sam's Club. You ever go to Sam's Club? My kids say I go there for lunch um, just to browse around. You know, all those free samples back there at Sam's Club? You know, I go, I go away one side like this, and then I, I come back the other way like this. You try to disguise yourself each time, you know. And then, like shorter, taller, it's like you know. Finally, the lady says, "Excuse me, sir, you've been here once before." Oh, I'm sorry, you know. Uh, l- listen, you know why the places that have all that? Because once you taste it, you buy it. It's a short-term commitment. And so this this morning, I want to encourage you, when we're talking about life groups, we're talking about service, this is where the rubber meets the road. Get involved, go sign up, jump into something, and make a short-term commitment. And give yourself three-month commitment and say, man, if it don't don't work, I'll I'll get out of that group. And, And I'm telling you, most of the people I see that get into groups, they're like, why haven't I done this five years ago? Where have I been all my life? I'm really missing community. Some of you have been in groups years before, and you've, you've done other things. You say, man, I really, I really long for that. Some of my best memories of church have been with groups, with people. Actually, I don't have too many memories of what happened up here. Most of my memories were with people. Most of my memories were with the people who we laughed and had a good time with, you know, uh, eating hot dogs in somebody's backyard, all kind of fun stuff. I... I it's life transformation when we get together i'm going to give you three things here there's really a whole other message that i'm not getting to here but on the back of your bulletin there are three ways three keys to, to growing in christ and here it is this is uh, this is found in ephesians chapter four three keys to grow in christ number one is to put off the old self put off the old self ephesians four twenty two. you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. He says, you were taught to put off your old self. In other words, when you came to Christ, there was an old way that you lived. There was the old man. You're to take the old man off. He says to take it and put it off. You know, I've got the, the word behind put on and put off in this passage here is uh, is the same word that Paul would use, Paul always spoke, he spoke a lot of metaphors. And so it was the same word that you would use to put on a pair of clothes or to take off a pair of clothes. So he's saying to take off the old man. You know, I've got these special clothes that I wear on Saturday morning. They're old and they're comfortable. Do you have anything like that around your house? You know, they're old and they're comfortable, and I'll, I'll put them on, and, I'll, and most of the time I'm mismatched anyhow, and so I, I've got these mismatched, old, comfortable clothes on, and, uh, and then, uh, you know, I'll be doing something around the house Saturday morning, and I'll say, hey, honey, let's go to the beach house and get breakfast, and she goes, she'll look at me, and she'll go, not until you go get changed, okay, because she doesn't want me to wear those old clothes out. They may be comfortable, but they're not appropriate for anybody to see me in. She's like, honey, you're the pastor now. You can't dress like that. You know, all mismatched and this and that. And I was like, oh, okay, then dress me, honey. And out comes the clothes that I'm supposed to wear. And I put on the clothes and I go off and we we have our, our deal. Put off the old self. There's a whole way of living. And I want to ask you, just like the church at Ephesus, they there was the abracadabras, there was sensuality, there was every form of evil. It It was like being in Las Vegas times 500. And they had every form of evil at their disposal and there was an old way of living and what i want to ask you this morning is what is your old way of living what is it that you're supposed to take off you're supposed to put off what is in the old man of you the old self that you're supposed to put off the apostle paul here says take that and put it off it's not legalism. It's not, these are a bunch of rules. you do this and don't do that. No, no. What is it over here that, that drove you away from Christ? What, what is it that there was a value that was just so far away from God, and I mean, it could be even just a subtle thing. What is it that you're supposed to take off and say, "I'm not going to live that anymore." I don't need that. I'm going to take that old clothes and put it away. I have old suits. They don't fit anymore. When I was 25, 30 years old, I had this suit jacket. You know, I still have it hanging in my closet. Hashtag goals, right? You know? You look, maybe I'll fit it one day. And my wife looked at it and she says, I don't care if it ever fits again. It's out of style. It's old. Get rid of it. Oh, honey, I remember this jacket. Get rid of it. So I get rid of the old jacket. And then the next thing he says, the second principle here, is to be made new. Verse four, four 423, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Uh, let your mind be transformed. Learn to think differently. That's the second, second key this morning. Learn to think differently. We've got to come and think differently. Listen, the world out there is thinking they have a system. If I work harder, if I get the most toys, I'll be happy. He who dies with the most toys still dies. That's the truth of it. But it's fun while we're here, right? No, listen. There's a value that's so much different. Retrain our mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be renewed by the transforming of God. And so I have to do this every day, every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday. I get in competition. I get struggling. Why does this guy have that? And I don't have this. And you get into all this stuff. Guess what? He says, learn to think differently. Learn to have a new attitude. Uh, and then, then uh, lastly, put on the new self. Put on the new self. Ephesians 4.24, and to put on the new self. So take off the old self, get a new mind, be transformed, and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put on the new clothing. The new clothes that you're not even sure if it fits right. Uh, you know, I, I put on this new jacket. I go out and I buy this new jacket and I bring it home. I'm like, it just doesn't have the same feel. It just it feels weird. My wife's like, but man, it looks really good on you. Well, I don't like it. I don't feel right. And this is what happens with some of us in our spiritual life God is calling you to do something, God has a plan for your life. And He says, I didn't save you just so you could say, yeah, I'm saved. I saved you so your life could be transformed and so that you'll go out and do something. So don't go back to the old way. Don't put on the old coats just because it's comfortable. That means nothing. It means it doesn't fit. It means it's worn out. Get rid of it. And so you're now in Christ. You are, Jesus made you a new person. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. All things have become new. So we put on the new self. And I'm not putting on rules and regulations. But I'm putting on this new person that Christ made me jesus made me new let's bow in prayer with our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning i want to encourage you in your spiritual walk to be engaged at the end of the day it is god who produces growth you can plant the seed and god has to grow it you pull the weeds god has to grow it and so god is the one who does produce the growth but are you engaged Are you planting seeds in your life of Jesus? Or maybe you've had bad experience. You say, that doesn't work for me. And I want to encourage you, listen, jump in. I'm not asking you to give church a try. I'm asking you to give Jesus a try. Because Jesus, he died on the cross. He went all the way to the cross. He loves you. He knows your name. He knows how many hair on your head. He knows everything about you. And he says, for you, I sacrificed. For you I have given everything. Will you follow me? I'm going to give you all the tools to do it, all the power, all the, my spirit. I'm not going to let you just try and live up to some standard. No, it's not about a standard. It's about Jesus, about knowing him. Will you follow him? Father God, I pray you'll be with each person here this morning as they respond to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. May they know that they've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb that Jesus paid the price for them and all that they now need to do is just come back to the table. Come back and eat more at your feet. Come at the very foot of Jesus Christ and know that He is God and to pour and invest my life into Him for nothing else could be more valuable. Put on the new. Be with your people.
0: to go the ghost